Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 66. The Gemara says in Masechet Gitin, there are three situations that weaken a person. Weaken a person physically, mentally. One of them is pahad. Pahad means fear. When a person is afraid, a person is worried. And the Gemara brings a pasuk in Tehillim. The pasuk says, Libi seharhar. When my heart is full of worry, azavani kohi, my strength leaves me. There are three types of sicknesses. One is a person who is sick physically. One, a person is weak physically. The first one is he has a mum, some sort of blemish, then there's a weakness. And then there's a person who's full of worries. There's nothing physically wrong with them. They're neither missing anything or they're not weak in anything. But they're de'agot. Their worries are very powerful and making a strong presence in their mind. And the worst one of these sicknesses is the last one. The Pasuk says, Vehesir Adonai Mimecha Kol Holi. Hashem will remove from you Kol Holi. All the sicknesses. Hazal say, Zeharayon, which means this is the holy of the mind. That's where you have all the sicknesses are in that type of sickness. De'agam. Shlomo Amelech basically confirms this by saying, Veruach Nechea. In Mishle, he writes, a person who's down, whose mind isn't with him, that's what de'aga, worry, it brings to unhappiness and depression. Ruach nechea, a spirit that's down, mi yisa'ena. Mi yisa'ena means who's capable of lifting it. A physical sickness, you go to a doctor, you get medicine. But Shalom HaMelech almost like raising his hand up in desperation. Almost as if there's no solution. Veruach nechea, if your spirits are down, mi yisa'ena. Who can raise it? In another pasuk in Mishleh he says, Veruach nechea, a down spirit, teyabesh garem, can make 
bones dry, can make the person disabled, can't move, they're stuck. The Pasuk in Parashat Kitavot describes a curse. When you read the curse at first, you don't know what, the, what, what, what exactly is that curse. It's a curse that can come upon a person. It says like this, Venatan ol barzel al tzavarecha. Where a person has a yoke of iron on their neck. I don't know if you've ever seen horses where they put this iron item on their neck to make sure they don't move in any direction that the driver doesn't want them to go. So there's a curse that comes upon a person where they put a yoke of iron on their neck. We've never seen such a thing. What kind of curse is that? What are they referring to? When did they ever put a yoke on a person's neck? Come hachamim and explain what is this yoke? <coughs> Says the Braita Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says Zeharayon That's when your mind is stuck Worrying about certain issues in your life. Why is that called, I wonder, why is that called that there's an iron yoke on your neck? So I think, perhaps, that when a person has an iron yoke on their neck, it's not that they don't see. It's even worse than that. You know, it's, it's a blessing, at least if you don't see. Because you know you can't see. So you need to ask for directions. I say there's a blessing in that. At least people can help you. People can guide you. But when you have eyes open, and you have something holding your neck, you can only see one thing. You don't see anything else. You can't turn right. You can't turn left. You can't hear another side. You can't get advice to change the way you're looking at things. Perhaps the explanation of this yoke is that you only see one thing, you're focused on one thing, and nothing could get your intention because your mind can't turn anywhere else. You're basically stuck where you are. That is why our rabbis teach us If you have worries, you have a great address that you need to go. That's going to help you. Speak it over with others. We already spoke about that last week. But last week we mentioned one of the others. There are two types of others that's going to help the worried mind. One type of other is a haver tov, a good friend. Their job as a friend is to hear you, is to feel your pain, to share in the burden that you're carrying. But a harim is plural. A good friend doesn't take care of the entire problem. 
they will cry with you, which makes it a little lighter. But it's still a burden to carry. You need a second person to talk to. It doesn't mean a second friend. It means a second type of person. That's what the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avot. Make for yourself a mentor. Make for yourself a rabbi. Make someone above you. Do you have someone in your life that is above you? What above you means is that you will listen to them even if you don't agree. Is there anyone in your life? I'm not going to tell you who that person should be. You'd be smart to choose the right person. But let's just think about something else for a minute. Do you have anyone in your life that you're willing to listen to even if you don't agree? And even if you don't understand? Is there anyone in the world that you would be willing to listen to in that situation. That's what it means, Some people think means that you need someone to advise you. But they understand advising means that they will give you answers to your questions. You will understand what they're saying you're convinced about everything they said and because of that you will follow their advice that's not what we mean that's a good thing for anybody to have a good advisor but when you have a good advisor and you understand what they're saying so it's not them that's making the decision it's you you're the one making the decision because you understand it because you get it. means, do you have somebody that you're willing to listen to even if you don't understand? Now clearly you wouldn't go into the street and just ask any person and do what they say. Clearly it would have to be someone qualified to be able to make decisions that will affect your life? If you look in the Midrash, you will find a very interesting Midrash, surprisingly perhaps. The Midrash basically takes Yaakov Avinu, we are his children, Bene Yaakov, our great-grandpa, the father of his great nation, and says, so what was special about Yaakov Avinu? So I think all of us could probably write down a number of things that are special about Yaakov Avinu. But the Midrash almost focuses on a pasuk in the Torah that I bet most people never even noticed. It's not that it's hard to understand, they didn't pay attention to it. Maybe they would think the Pasuk is not even that necessary to write. But yet the Midrash says, it is this Pasuk 
that makes Yaakov Avinu the great man that he was. The Pasuk is in Mishle. Well, the Pasuk in the Torah, I'll get to in a second. But the Midrash brings a Pasuk in Mishle. Listen to this Pasuk. This Pasuk needs to be repeated every few weeks. Says Shalomo HaMelech, Kol derech ish yashar be'enav. Every person, every person, and every derech, every road they choose in their life, in any area of their life, you know, everybody in life has a road. We all have a road. We all have a way about how we do certain things. We have a road of how we treat our children. Some people are very tough. Some people are very soft. And each one will swear by their road because that's the best road. Once a father once told me that he has the best home because in his home, nobody moves unless they get permission from him. Discipline. So you walk into my house, there's seder. There's order. Not a day passes when another man tells me, my house is awesome. I don't tell my kids anything. I just let them make their own decisions. They have to learn from their mistakes. I don't want to get involved. Each one is holding the flag. They're opposite flags. That's a derech. Everyone's got their derech of how they handle things, of how they live life. There's a derech of how we dress. There's a derech of how we keep Shabbat. There's a derech of how we treat other people. There's a derech of how we walk. Some people, they walk, they say hello. Some people, no. Let them say hello first. That's my derech. I'm not going to put myself down. Everyone's got their derech, their way. But that's not really a hidush. I think everybody knows that. There are so many parts of our lives. And every part of our life, we have a unique derech. Not surprising. We all know that. The surprise is the words of Shlomo Melech who says, Kol derech ish. Every derech, every road that a person chooses in their life, the way they live their life, yashar be'enav. In their eyes, it is the perfect road. Yashar means it's straight. Straight to what? Straight to a happy, successful, perfect life. Everyone's got their derech, and if you would interview them, and you could hear their heart talking, they are convinced that this is the way to a great marriage. My way. This is the way to a great friendship. This is what you do when you have free time. This is what you're supposed to be doing when you have relaxation time. This is what you're supposed to be doing when somebody does something to upset you. I have the derech. Kol derech ish, says Shlomo Melech, every human and every derech in their eyes is perfect. 
You know what every human means? Even a drug addict. You and I might look at a drug addict and say, Hazit, I can't believe it. What kind of derech is that? What kind of life is that? But says Shalomah Melech, in his eyes, he's on the perfect derech. I mean, he makes mistakes here and there like everybody else. Just because you're on a derech doesn't mean you're perfect. You make mistakes along your road. But the general outlook outlook of your mind, of how you look at things, perfect. That's why it's impossible nearly to convince someone to get help. How, how could someone who's so ill not get help? What, what do you have to show them? Their life speaks louder than words that they need help. They can't get a normal job. They have no relationships that are real. If they're married, it's not a good one or they're not married altogether. I mean, it's obvious. But go sit down and convince them that they need help. They, they're not convinced. Because in their mind, it's perfect. With a little tweaking, it's fine. Call derech ish. Every person that you ever met anywhere in life, in their minds, they're on the perfect road. Just one more fix and I'm there. Everyone in their mind is one fix away from a life of pleasure. Just just one issue in my, my life. I take care of it, it's gone. I, I just got to get married. Once that happens, done. I just need to leave my husband and then it's perfect. I just need to get a little older because this age is, is no good. It, it's always something. There's always something. The reality is, of course, is not, not every derech is yashar. That's obvious to anyone who's lived on the planet for a couple of years. If every derech was yashar, why are there so many regrets in life? Why are there so many people unhappy either because of what they just did or what they did years ago? Why would anyone regret not taking advantage of their school years? So many adults today would love to go back to school and would take advantage of it. Not everyone, but many. And if you ask them, so why didn't you do it then? Why were you miserable then? You were miserable for 10 years when you could have been so happy and actually enjoyed yourself. Answer is, at the time you thought, that's the derech yashar. And then one day you realize it's not. People in life walk around with buckets of regrets. They wish they never said that. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I go here? Why did I get involved with that? Every person today who is ill with any kind of sickness or disease that they brought upon themselves is sitting with buckets of regrets for decisions that they made, whether it was the wrong friend or the wrong place or the wrong act. Every marriage has been broken, either totally broken or somewhat broken or fractured 
is because of some mistake. Marriages don't just wake up one day and get broken. Someone did something, someone said something, someone ignored something. Why'd you do that? It brought you years of unhappiness. For what reason? The answer is, at the moment, it seems so right. You ever see a person in anger, in rage, when something happens not to their liking? They look so foolish. They look so silly. They're saying things that don't make sense. They're making threats that they'll never follow through with. And they're just getting heated and upset. But in their mind, this is the way. When someone does something like that to you, you get mad. You show them who's boss. You're not showing anyone who's boss. You're showing a tremendous weakness and you're hurting yourself. Call derech ish yashar be'enav. So what is the solution to this human reality that we all live with? Right now, every one of us leads a unique life. A unique life is the way Hashem wanted us to live our lives. Everyone's got their unique way, their unique family, their unique situation, their unique height and weight and brain ability. Everyone's unique. And everyone's got their own derech that they've chosen for their life and for their families. Are you confident that your derech in every area of life is really yashar? Do you really know that what you're doing is leading you to a world of bliss, a world of Gan Eden in this world and the next world? Are you sure that you're raising your children the right way? Of course you'll tell me, I'm 100% sure. Really, everybody's 100% sure. You go into out there and you see someone doing opposite what you're doing and they'll tell you, I'm sure too. So what is the solution? If every person thinks their derech is perfect, what could be the solution to a great life? Says Shalomah HaMelech, there is only one solution. The solution is Veshomeya Le'aitza Hacham. A wise person, when they know this reality of every human, loses somewhat their confidence, or better yet, their overconfidence. Being confident is good. Being overconfident is blindness. Because when you're overconfident, you're not able to see what may be the solution because you're overconfident in your opinion. One who listens to advice, they're a smart person. You're a wise person if you're able to listen to advice. And the Midrash gives an example of someone in history who listened to advice. That's Yaakov Avinu. Where, which story are they referring to? They bring the story of Yaakov who was threatened by Isava's brother after he took the blessings from him. As the Pasuk says, 
that Esav was very upset and in his heart he was planning the day that will come when he will kill his brother Yaakov and Rivka and Yitzhak realized the danger that Yaakov is in being around Esav so they told him Vayikra Yitzhak el Yaakov he called his son Yaakov he blessed him excuse me I skipped he says Ve'ata beni before that Ve'ata beni Shema bekoli listen to my voice Ve'kum berah lecha go escape El Lavan Ahi Harana. Go to Lavan, my brother. This is what Rivka tells Yaakov. Go live with Lavan. You have to get out of here. And live with him until Isaf calms down. Who knows how long that would be? Yitzhak, as I started before gives the same message to his son Yaakov and the end of that story look at these words these words nobody would have noticed them but that's why we have great rabbis that point out things that seem almost unimportant Vayishma Yaakov El Aviv Ve'el Imo Yaakov heard and listened to his father and to his mother Vayelech Padena Aram, and he went to Padan Aram. He went to Laban. Our rabbis are bothered. Why is there a need to say he listened to his father and mother? Right afterwards, we see Torah reports he left his parents and he went to Haran. So if we see they advised him to go, and he went, so obviously he listened to them. You don't have to say he listened to them. His actions speak louder than words. Why do you have to say he listened and he went? If he went, he obviously listened. So the Midrash says, oh, stop. There's something here for us. And says the Midrash, this is a quality of Yaakov Avinu. This may be the quality of Yaakov Avinu. And the Torah wants to point something out to all of us. That Yaakov Avinu, when he heard his father and mother and what they told him, he did not agree. He felt otherwise. He felt, and understandably so, why would I leave the home of Yitzhak and Rivka? To go where, first of all? To Lavan? He's the one that we just said in the Haggadah, Lavan is not a big tzaddik and he's not a small rasha either. He's a terrible man. So I'm escaping from the house of Yitzhak and Rivka to go live in a foreign town with this evil man, Lavan. Why would I do that? Because Esav wants to kill me? First of all, Yaakov was a strong man. He's not a weakling. And he can protect himself. You know how many people want to kill us right now? Right now. How many people in the world do you think would want to kill us? Billions? Two? Three? Four? 
So what are we going to escape every place we go? We figure it out. We get security. We watch ourselves. We have a little emunah. What can we do? There's people all over that want to kill people. They can kill you because of your money. They can kill you because of your looks. And for no reason at all. A lot of crazies out there. So what do you do? You make your best hishtadlut. You make your best effort. And you protect yourself. That's it. That's all you can do. There's nothing more. Nobody can guarantee anything. But you do your best. You make good decisions. Yaakov is certainly capable of making good decisions. He can get a security around him. He can watch where he goes. And he's strong. Finished. Not every time you get a threat, you move to another country. So Yaakov did not agree to his father and mother. He didn't want to leave. But the Pasuk says, Vayishma Yaakov el aviv el imo. Yaakov had in his life two people, mentors, that he's committed to, that he will listen to. Listen doesn't mean he understood them. Again, when you understand someone's advice and you follow, that's not called you listen to them. It's called you educated yourself from them and then you did what you understand. Because now you understand. That's not called Vayishma. Vayishma means you listen when you don't agree, when you don't understand. Yaakov in his life would not do this, I'm sure, with anybody. But his father and his mother, these great giants, Yitzhak and Rivka, Yaakov understood, these people are greater than I am. They love me very much. It's a very important criteria before you appoint someone on top of you. That they should love you and care for you very much. And that they're great people. He understood that Yitzhak and Rivka were on a different level than he was. And he was willing to listen even though he didn't understand. Says the Midrash, this is Yaakov Avinu. This is the greatness of his life, of his future, of his children, of his family. And the Midrash brings an example of someone else who didn't quite do what Yaakov did. He had it. He's a great man. But could have been maybe a little greater. But he did something foolish. And the Midrash points it out. If the Midrash didn't say it, I couldn't say it. But the Midrash does say it. And the Midrash points to Shimshon, that great man in our history, who was blessed with tremendous strength. And the Midrash points to a moment in his life that let this great man down a little bit of a downhill. What happened? Pasuk says that Shimshon came to his parents and he told them, I found a wife. I found my future wife. I found this woman and I want to marry her. Could you please make the arrangements? I'd like you to meet her parents. 
we got to set a wedding date. His father and mother told him, she's not the right girl for you. This is not who you should be marrying. I'm sure this has happened like a billion times. And listen to Shimshon's reaction. Vayomer Shimshon el Aviv. Shimshon tells his father, Ota Kahli. No, no, I want to marry her. Why? Kihi Yashra Be'enai. Because in my eyes, she is the perfect recipe for my success. Says the Midrash, Kol derech ish yashar be'enav. An example of kol derech ish, even a great man like Shimshon. He fell in this mistake. He saw it, you can't blame him. He saw her as the perfect wife. We don't blame Shimshon for seeing that with his eyes. We don't blame anyone for having a derech. But he was blamed that he wasn't able to defer to someone greater than himself. And he didn't have the strength to say, I'm going to follow my father. He's greater than me. He's smarter than me. He loves me. I'm going to go that direction. If anyone thinks that this doesn't apply to them because they're older already or they're so smart or they've made so many great decisions, it's obvious they know everything. So the Creator, that's all of us, right? That's what he's saying. Because probably you're sitting there and saying, I know so many people like this. I know people that really need this advice. I wish they came to this class. I wish I brought them with me. That's what everyone's thinking right now. You're thinking of a son or a daughter. You're thinking of a father or a mother, a brother or a sister or a friend. So, but remember, they're not in this class. And this class is being given to us. In case you think this doesn't apply to us, and in case you think that all my decisions are yeah, pretty good, I mean, so, no one else than the creator of the world, right in the beginning of the Torah, it's unbelievable, it's unimaginable, that in the creation of mankind, the purpose of creation, there's no greater moment, and there's no greater purpose, and there's no greater derech than to create Adam. That's the whole purpose of the creation of the world. And when it comes to the Torah reporting this, shocking. It says, Vayomer Elohim, Hashem says, Naase Adam, let us make men. Betzalmenu in our image. Let us make men? Isn't there one creator? What does that mean, let us make men? Hazal ask, 
Who's he talking to, first of all? So the rabbis answered that he went to ask advice of the angels. He wanted to know what they thought. Is it a good idea to create men? Here he is. This is what he looks like. That's what he might do, what he may not do. What do you think? And there was this whole debate. Some said, never. Why would you create someone like that? You know how much damage they're going to cause? They're going to destroy your world. Not worth it. Others said, no, for sure do it. Look how much good is going to come out of him. Look at the great people that will come from Adam Arishon. There was a whole debate. It doesn't matter the ending. It's not the point. You think the creator of the world needs advice? He just created these angels yesterday. Why does he have to ask them for advice? It seems that this, this issue is so critical for me and you that the creator of the world has to volunteer and lower himself to be a role model for all of us that nobody is ever too big or too smart or too great to ask advice. In fact, if you don't ask for advice, that's a sure sign that you're not that great. Because great people, they ask advice. In fact, that's what makes them great. And the first volunteer in the entire creation is none other than the creator of the world, who says, before I did the most obvious thing, which was to create the purpose of my entire creation, I asked. I heard the advice of others. That's a message that was so worthwhile that it even came at a risk. Like our rabbis are wondering, Na'ase Adam gives people reason to actually question if there's one God. Na'ase, let us make men. It gives people who are non-believers room to make an error. But yet, with all that risk, it's worth it to give clarity to mankind. You want to be great? You want to, make a, you want to live a life that you don't make mistakes? Not that you learn from your mistakes. You're foolish to learn from your mistakes. If you could learn from other people's mistakes. There's no reason to learn from your mistakes. If you have someone helping you. Nobody today would build a home or a building without an architect. An architect is a regular person just like you. What does he know more than you? He knows one thing. He's been studying buildings of the last 5,783 years. When they first started building, they made a lot of mistakes. They corrected some. They made others. They corrected them. An architect is basically someone who has studied the mistakes of building of the last 6,000 years. Before you build your house, you don't say, oh, I think this makes sense. Why shouldn't this hold up the house? Why not? Look how strong it is. Look where I put it. It makes sense to me. 
No one would ever do that. You don't want to take a chance on your home. But yet people are taking chances with their life. They're taking chances with their family's future. Without going to an architect. An architect guide. Is this the right way to get married? Is this the right way to be married? Is this the right way to react? Is this the right way to raise my children? How do I prepare my children for a great life? Am I doing it right? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Could you help me? You know, most people never ask those questions. For a house, for a 30 by 100, they spend years with an architect. And for their entire future, they don't spend a minute asking a question. They might read books and try to understand better. It's a big step too. But to actually ask about, well, I do this, I do that. Does it make sense? Is it right for me? Very few people do that. It takes great people to do that. And you see it's an obvious, an obvious reaction of great people. Let me give you an example of a great person that you will appreciate. When Rivkai Menu was finally pregnant, after so many years, she had twins. Well, she didn't know she had twins. But she felt this conflict inside of her. She felt something not normal. Maybe a woman's intuition. She felt something not right. And she was worried. So much so that she says, she felt like, why do I have to even exist with this issue that I'm having? That happens in life sometimes. When you're so worried about something, you feel like you just want to give up. I can't deal with this anymore. She was really worried about what was going on inside of her. So what did she do? I think for many of us, we would just, I don't know, what would we do? Maybe say Tehillim, maybe go out for ice cream, maybe go to sleep, maybe take pills, I don't know, do something. You can't, it's a lot of pain. How long could you exist like this? How long could you exist when you, want to, when you feel like, you know what, I don't want to exist anymore? You could hold up for a minute, for a day, for an hour, for two. You could distract yourself. You could go, you could play, you could exercise, you could eat, eat more. But at some point, you hit a dead end. Well, great people don't wait to hit dead ends. When great people feel, I don't feel right. Something is off. I know it's off. Look at the next word. Vatelech lidrosh et Hashem. She went to get advice from Hashem. Where is Hashem? Where did you go? Rivka went to Hashem. What does that mean? She went to the next best thing. Would be great to ask the creator of the world what he thinks in any given problem that we have or given issue that we're dealing with. It would be so nice if we could just go ask him. But for most of us, he's not available. 
even till Rivka, he wasn't available. I mean, he was available, but in a different way. She went to the two great people of the time, Shem and Ever. These were the giants of the time, known to be scholars, God-fearing, that would be able to tell her what the right thing is, what's going on here. That was the natural reaction of a great person. You don't just sit and go to sleep or make your own decisions when you're feeling something is not right. Vatelech lidrosh et Hashem. That was Rivka, our mother. That was her first initial reaction. I need advice. I need someone bigger than me. This was what Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Yitro. Yitro comes to visit his son-in-law after an awesome year. What a year Moshe Rabbeinu had. Ten plagues, splitting of the sea. He went to Shamayim to get the Torah. That's a year to celebrate. The man's on top of the world. And his father-in-law comes to visit him after all of this. And the first thing the Torah reports is that his father-in-law sees there's a lineup of people waiting to speak to Moshe Rabbeinu. They have questions. Moshe, I have a shalom bayit issue. I have a hinuch issue. I have a halacha issue. You know, if you had Moshe Rabbeinu next to you, you're not going to anybody else. So everyone's waiting online. They want to hear. And Moshe Rabbeinu, from morning till night, he's like, imagine, exhausted. How many people could you answer? You listen to one person's issues, another person's issue, another halacha, another problem. At some point, you just get tired. Moshe Rabbeinu says the Torah is spending morning till night people waiting to ask him questions. Tremendous misirut nefesh, sacrifice. His father-in-law comes and says, he watches him. You would think he says to him, wow, chazaku baruch, beautiful. I'm so lucky to have such a son-in-law. He's so special. Look how you give your time. Look how much you care for these people. That's what I recommend, by the way. If you see your son-in-law doing something, even if it's not so good. But listen to what Yitro tells Moshe. He tells him, Ma hadavar hazeh asher ata oseh la'am. What are you doing to these people? What are you doing to them? You're killing these people. Why do you sit by yourself? And everyone is standing all day waiting to talk to you? Look how he turned the story. A man sitting, giving his life for the people. He's being accused of hurting them. You're sitting here and they're all waiting for you? Unbelievable. He tells him, 
Only if you have Moshe as your son-in-law, you could say these words. You're not doing a good thing, Moshe. You're going to wither. You're going to dry up. You're ruining yourself and you're ruining the nation. It's too much. He says, let me, Shema Bekoli, listen to what I have to tell you. Let me give you advice. Maybe Hashem will agree to me. You could check with him after. You throw knew that he wasn't the authority, but yet he wanted to advise him. He basically tells him, you can't be their rabbi. You can't be everybody's rabbi. It's not possible. You're a great man. There's no one like you. But it doesn't work like that. They need to have people accessible to them. They need to have people who know them. Who know their family history. Who know their situation. Who know their struggles. Who know their success. Someone close by that they can ask questions. That can guide them even when they don't ask questions. So there's no one like you, but... You can't help everybody. You need to appoint for every 10 people, one person in charge. The Pasuk says, Vayishma Moshe lekol hoteno. I don't think any son-in-law would do this. Certainly not his father-in-law. He said, I hear you. You could be saying, right. And he did everything the way he told them. Could you imagine in the desert if you count the numbers of how many mentors they were for every 10 there was one. So if you take just the men, 600,000 men between 20 and 60, it's already 60,000 mentors. And then for every 50, another one. For every 100, another one. Tens of thousands of mentors in the desert. I once heard an unbelievable line. That if the people in the desert needed for every 10 Jews, one rabbi, today for every one Jew, we need 10 rabbis. <laughs> but what challenges exactly was going on in the desert. Like what was what was the big issues there? They had no parnasa issues, nobody worked. Easy. They didn't go shopping for clothing, there were no jewelry. Easy. What what could have been? What were the challenges of the time? Too much man. Okay. Could you imagine the challenges that we have in our lives? You walk out your door and you what did they have to deal with already? And for them, they needed for every time one. But that's what Yitro told Moshe Rabbeinu. These people need a personal. You need your own personal mentor. Someone who gets you. Someone who understands you. Someone that will advise you even if you don't ask. Because they know you want his leadership. 
So even Moshe Rabbeinu came to the job. What a great lesson, by the way. You know, people think the role of a rabbi is to come to your weddings. When I have a simha, I call the rabbi. When we need to bury somebody, we call the rabbi. From birth till death, he's my rabbi. He only shows up at smahot or the opposite. That's what people have in their mind as the rabbi in your life. Who's your family rabbi? <coughs> what does that mean? Aselecharav doesn't mean the rabbi who attends your happy occasions. A rabbi means someone who you're willing to defer to. Do you have someone that you're willing to defer to? Someone that you can go ask and even if you have a different opinion, willing to say, I'm putting my opinion on the side. Is there anyone in your life like that? Take the word rabbi out. I told you in the beginning. Is there anyone in your life like that? There's nobody in your life that you could trust. There's no one greater than you. How could that be? That's a decision every great person must make at some point in their life. Who in my life do I have that I can put everything aside and follow their advice? Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Yitro. That's what every Jew needs. They don't need you. You're a great man. They're going to come to you for the big issues, for the big problems, but you can't be everybody's rabbi. There are people today whose rabbis are living in Israel. They're not your rabbis. I'm telling you, they are horror stories. I hear them from the rabbis that come from Israel. They come, you don't know, I went to dinner last night by this family, and they're asking me all types of issues about what's going on, what, what they should do here, what they should do there. And the obvious question is, they needed to ask a rabbi from Israel about their issues? What does he know about their issues? He doesn't live here. He doesn't know them. He doesn't know what they're going through. But in their mind, that's my rabbi. That's the guy I go to. But he's not qualified. Even if he's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's not qualified. Because he's not Aselecha. He's not yours. He's not the one that knows you. He's not the one that you go to always. People have rabbis that passed away years ago. They're still holding on to them. They're gone. They're greater than any rabbi alive today, but they're not here. There has to be someone in close proximity that you defer to. That's what Esther was able to do. You'll find all great people had this quality. The Pasuk in Megillat Esther says that Esther would never reveal her family background, which nation she came from. That must have been a pretty difficult thing. Could you imagine your husband asking you, so who's your family? Can't tell you. What? 
like, which, what's your background? That's the first conversation you have with somebody. Where do you come from? Who's your family? Where were they born? Imagine the challenge that Esther had with her husband, Ahasuerosh, the king of the world, when he asks her, so tell me a little bit more about your background. And she says, I'm sorry, I can't tell you. Can't tell you. You know what kind of danger that is? Danger to the relationship, danger maybe to life in that situation. How could she do that? Could you imagine as a bride, you would do that? Could you imagine your rabbi would tell you that? Or your parents, who you crowned as your mentor, would do that? What would you do? I don't get this. What's the difference if he knows where I come from? What does it matter? Why do I have to suffer with this? You don't think Esther felt that way? And the Megillah says it, by the way. Esther would not reveal. Why? Because she was convinced? Because she got it? Because Mordechai explained to her? No. Ki? Because Mordechai tziva aleha asher lo tagit. Because Mordechai told her, do not say it. Esther was wise enough at some point in her life before that moment, to realize that Mordechai was a crown that you put on your head. Mordechai cares about you. Mordechai is a very wise man. If Mordechai tells you, you don't say it, you don't say it. That was her mentor. That was her rabbi. That was Aseh Rav. And what it meant to her is that I differ. I don't get it. I don't know why I'm not saying it. But that's what he tells me. By the way, that's one of the way you know if someone has wisdom. There's a beautiful Benish Hai who explains a statement of Hazal that's very hard to understand. Hazal tells us the following. Hashem gives wisdom, chokhmah, to those who have wisdom. Let's see that again. Sounds confusing. One more time. Hashem gives wisdom. It's from Where does wisdom come from? Hashem. He gives wisdom to those who already have wisdom. Now, you think about that for a second. So wait, that doesn't make sense. Because if Hashem gives wisdom only to those who have wisdom, how did the guy get wisdom before Hashem gave it to him? At some point... He didn't have wisdom. And Hashem won't give him unless he has wisdom. So how do you get it from? Where do you buy it from? The black market? Where do you, how do you get it? Hashem gives wisdom to those who have it. But how did they get it? Says the Ben Ishai. Such a beautiful, beautiful explanation. It's not just beautiful because it explains it, but it's beautiful in real life. He says there are two types of wisdom. There's godly wisdom that you have to get from your creator. But then there's a wisdom where a person knows that they don't have that wisdom. When you know that you don't have the wisdom of the creator of the world, that's called you have wisdom. 
you have the wisdom to know that you don't know. When you think you know everything, like we automatically think, because kol derech ish yashar ve'enav, when you think you know everything, then by definition, it means you don't have wisdom. He brings a pasuk, va'ani ba'ar velo eda. He says there's a person who doesn't know. That's okay. To say, I don't know, it's good. But when you say you know everything, the pasuk says behemot. Then you become like a behemoth. You ever see little children talking about a subject they know nothing about? And they look so foolish. And you look at it and you're laughing at them. What are they saying? What are they talking about? Or sometimes they want something ridiculous. Like when your daughter wants to cross the street and cars are moving. And you look like, come on. You try to convince them, no, if you cross, you can get hit by a car and they're still screaming and yelling. And at some point you're like, hello, I'm your mother. Don't you think I want what's good for you? Don't you think I'm smarter than you? How frustrating is that? When you see your children, whether they're young or sometimes even old, and you see they're self-destructing. You see it. You're watching it. It's so clear. You don't have to be a genius. It's clear. But yet, they don't see that. It's so frustrating. The next time that happens in your life, you should remember that sometimes we are that person. We too could be foolish because we think something is so obvious and it's not. The beginning of wisdom is knowing that you don't know everything. It's okay. It's okay to go to a doctor when you're not feeling well. There's a certain wisdom in that. That you know, I don't know what to do. So I go to the doctor. Could you imagine going to a pharmacy and randomly picking out a medicine and saying, well, this sounds right. This looks good. Look at the person on the box. Looks healthy. Why not? I'll take it. What are you doing? That's called foolish. You're wise when you go to a doctor. Going to a doctor means I don't know. So please, could you help me? Now, of course, you choose a good doctor. That's your choice. When the doctor tells you something and you listen, is that called you chose or he chose? Some people, when they hear this, they're going to get a little bit like, so what are you saying? I don't make my own decisions in life. So I give up my free choice. So I become a robot. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. May I ask you a question? You went to doctors. When the doctor says, do A, take this medicine, don't eat that, and you listen, is that called you listened or he listened? Or meaning, is it called he did it for you or you did it for yourself? The answer is, it's called you did it. Why? You followed his advice blindly. Answer is, because before you went to him, you checked out his resume. You called a thousand people to make sure that he's qualified. You checked his certificate. You made sure that the person you're going to is qualified to answer you. 
And only then you went to him. So when you listen to him, that's called your own free choice. It's not called robotic. When you just randomly walk into someone's house and ask them for advice, that's called foolish. But when you made that decision with a sechel, you found a mentor like Yitzhak Avinu or Rivka Imenu. When you found a mentor in your life that makes sense, and you defer to that person, that's called your decision. It's not called robotic. It's called smart. It's called shomea le'etza hacham. It's called going to an architect before your building falls down. It's called not making mistakes and having regrets of, oh, why didn't I know this before? Oh, I wish I knew this. I spoke to some lady yesterday, we had a class on in-laws. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had one lady come over to Ifta privately, distraught. Her life is in shambles, her family's a disaster. And if someone would have told her that years back, it could have been all different. That's what she said to me. I said, I want to correct you. I said, it could be that. 10 years ago or 20 years ago, even if someone would tell you that, you wouldn't listen. Because you didn't have the chokhmah to know that you need to listen. It's not that people weren't around 20 years ago for her to listen. There were people that she could have listened to. I bet she had a smart mother. I bet she had a very smart grandma. I bet there were people that she could have went to. Don't think that your mistake, I told her maybe she would be upset with me. I said, your mistake wasn't that you just met me in your lifetime. I said, the mistake is that till today you weren't willing to defer to somebody. You couldn't hear that there might be something along the road coming up that you need to learn about because you don't know how to deal with it. You didn't know that. You thought it's obvious, it's easy, what could be, what's the problem? I know how to figure this out. That was your mistake. You had people all along in your life. Hashem always gives us people around us that will help us. The question is, do we accept the help? Or do we think we got it all? We got it all figured out. There's a boy called Soreru More. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Not a happy story, this guy. He's a young man, he's a very specific age. The Torah says this young man, because of what he did, you gotta kill him. Imagine taking your son. Who's taking him to get killed, by the way? His father and mother come and take him to the thing. Okay, so this never actually happened. Hazal tells us this never happened. Because if you follow all the details for it to happen, it's almost impossible to happen. It never happened. But the idea is very powerful that you could take a young man at a ripe young age and say, we're going to kill you. <laughs> what? Give me some time. Like, I'll make teshuvah. When I get older, how many people have you seen in your life and you say, you know what, leave them. When they get older, they'll, they'll learn. They'll make, they'll make mistakes. They'll get up. Give them a chance. Could you imagine I bring you a young man and you say, yeah, okay, we got to kill him. What does that mean? What does a person have to do to get this 
unbelievable title of you deserve to get killed. By the creator of the world says it's better that you get killed because you're not making it. You have no shot, basically. If they're going to kill you when you're young, it means you have zero shot. So better you leave now than you leave later. You'll kill less people. You'll rob less people. You'll be a happier person. You'll take less drugs. You'll drink less. You'll go to a better place. That's what we're telling him. If we're taking his life now, we're basically saying, let's spare you of all your headaches. I bet there are people in your life that you could think of after the fact. They say, you know what? It would have been better off. With all their suffering and all they did and all the problems they caused, all the damage they caused, they would have been better off. But how do you know ahead of time? How do you know when they're still young? What do they show? What are the signs? So if you look in that parasha, there are a number of things. I want to focus on just one thing. Torah keeps repeating. Says the Torah, if a, if a man or a father has this kind of kid, he's unwilling to listen, will not listen to his parents. And again, they gave him Musar. He doesn't listen. They grabbed him. They went to the bedding and they told the judges, we don't know what to do with this kid. He doesn't listen to anything we say. If you can imagine a person living life without listening to other people, to other architects of life, then it's better off they don't continue with their life. That's how dangerous their life is going to be. That's how pitiful it's going to be. Nobody here is like the Surah al All of us here today, we're not talking to people who never listened. Everybody in this room, Baruch Hashem, is doing okay probably in this area. We do listen. We don't listen all the time, but we listen sometimes. We've listened to our parents sometimes. We've listened. Some, we've listened. So it's not a zero or a hundred. We're maybe somewhere in the middle. Hopefully closer, higher than lower. So we're surviving. But could you imagine a person who never listens? Zero. Never listens. No matter who says, no matter what they say, they don't listen. Disaster. That's the son of the morning. And the more a person listens, the more they will find success. Of course, it's a great knock on the ego. Not so easy. Because listening to somebody else means they know more than me, smarter than me. It's not so easy to do that. The ego comes with us as we're born. Even little children don't like to listen to their parents. Even though little children, they know they can't even add one plus one. They know. One plus one. Mom, what's one plus one again? One plus one. I don't, I don't, what, what is it? I forgot. But a life decision, a minute later, they look at their mother and say, what does she know? This ignorant woman, what does she know about my life? She told me to go to sleep now. Like, is she normal? That's what he's thinking. He doesn't understand. Already from a little child, the ego is telling us Nobody could understand me. 
Nobody is as smart for me like me. It's your job. Thank you. And it's not easy to do. How do I know it's not easy to do? If you're sitting there and saying, wow, this is hard. Like, have like someone I defer to? Like with all my issues, like my real issues? I'm not talking about like, what are you having for breakfast type of issues? Those are easier. Even then we struggle. What does the nutritionist know? Like, what do they know? But I'm not talking about that. We're talking about real issues. Like, take the top three issues in your life right now. I bet there are three. Top issues that you're struggling with. Are you ready to give it to someone else's hands? Are you ready to defer? Even if it's painful. I'm not sure that we could do that. And if you're thinking, well, that's hard. That's like, like, like really important issues. Yeah, like the most important. And if you think it's hard, know that you're in good company. Because great people have struggled with it in the past. I'm going to give you two examples. Thank you. Thank you. You heard of Shimon and Levi when they wiped out Shechem. Their father Yaakov wasn't so happy for what they did. Even they had a good reason why they did it. And look how the Torah describes these two men, these two great men. It says, on the third day, when all the people in town were hurting from the Brit Milan, Vayikhu, listen to these words, listen good. Vayikhu shene bene Yaakov, Shimon velevi. They took their sword. They're described as shene bene Yaakov, the two sons of Yaakov, Shimon and Levi. Hazal asked, we don't know yet? That Shimon and Levi are Bnei Yaakov. We already were introduced to them before. Why does the pasuk say the two sons of Yaakov, Shimon and Levi, took their sword and wiped out the town? Rashi Alava Shalom says, the Torah is telling you that even though. Even though they were B'nai Yaakov, they had a father like Yaakov. If you are the son of Yaakov, and Yaakov is home, you go ask him, should I do this? Should I wipe out this town right now? What do you think, Dad? You're not a regular person. You're not a regular father. You're Yaakov Avinu. Even though they were B'nai Yaakov, they acted like they were just Shimon and Levi. They acted like the world began today. And they were Shimon and Levi. And nobody existed before them. They were B'nai Yaakov. They had Yaakov 
accessible, but they acted like individuals. They built a house as if they're the first person on the planet building a home. They forgot to go to the architect. And because of that, they made a terrible mistake. So even Shimon and Levi struggled. You think only me and you are listening to this and saying, whoa, this is hard. What does that mean? Shimon and Levi couldn't do it. They struggled with it. And the Torah points it out. You know who else struggled with it? Nadab Avihu, The children of Aharon Kohen, the great men that we sing a song about their situation, what happened to them. On Yom Kippur, these great giants, they made a terrible mistake. Whatever their mistake was, on the inauguration of the Mishkan. But our rabbis tell us, you know what their real mistake was? Says Rabbi Eliezer, Lometu bene Aharon. They died for one reason. Ela al shehoru halacha Moshe Rabban. They had Moshe Rabbeinu to ask what they should have done. And they did it, whatever they did. It's not important. They did it without asking Moshe Rabbeinu. By the way, it could be they did the right thing. But they didn't ask. How can Moshe Rabbeinu be there and you don't ask? You're doing something new, something special, the inauguration of the Mishkan. They thought of a great idea. They're going to bring Ketoret. Amazing. They're going to bring a gift to the creator of the world. They're so appreciative. They were flying spiritually. They were so inspired. It was so obvious to them that they should do this. And maybe they should have. That's not the issue. The issue is how could you not ask Moshe if he's there? You don't ask Moshe Rabbeinu. You can't defer. But this is the challenge. So don't, don't be uh, surprised if you feel this is like, wow, this is a big deal. Giving up my top three decisions in my life. To someone greater than me? I don't know if I could do that. It's hard. It is hard. But that's the way to greatness. There's no other way. And of course, when you ask advice, make sure you get ask advice from people that are worthy of advice. Sometimes we ask advice, but we kind of go to the people that we think will tell us exactly what we want to hear. So we'll say, we asked advice. I asked everybody. <laughs> everybody said. So I've gotten that before. Tell me who everybody is. Let's review. Right, okay, this one, X, 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 X. They don't count. Could you imagine today, a new halachic question comes up in Brooklyn. Should we do X on Shabbat? Should we do it? Is it okay or not okay? Somebody comes back to the shul and says, well, I asked everybody, they said yes. Who's everybody? Who did you ask? Well, I went around the shul on Shabbat. I asked all the people. I took a vote. And they all said they think yes. 95%. Let me ask you a question. If 100% of the laymen said, great, sounds awesome, what an idea, love it, it would just elevate the Shabbat, this item. This X item, forget about it. We need it. And Chavadya Yosef says, but you can't do it. It's Asur. You know how much everybody adds up to? Zero. FS. 
They're not, they're nobodies in this subject. They're people, they're nice people, they're important people, and maybe for other things, they're excellent. But they know nothing about this subject. So they're worthless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people said, I agree with you. What matters is who said it. So be careful that we don't walk out of the class and say, oh yeah, I got it. I always ask advice. Well, who are you asking? Well, let me give you an example. Most people don't know this. If I would ask you, tell me, I know you know Jewish history. I know you know a little or a lot. Could you tell me the cause of the greatest catastrophe in the history of the Jewish people. So, I'm not sure what you would say, but I'm sure you wouldn't say this. In Melachim Aleph, we have a report, a story, of what happened after Shlomo HaMelech passed away. Shlomo HaMelech was a very powerful king in Am Yisrael. He built the Bet HaMikdash. He collected a lot of taxes from the people, which of course you know, nobody likes, even then. No one likes paying taxes. Shlomo HaMelech dealt with the people with a very strong hand. He was a very powerful king. Am Yisrael at that time was on top. And he was the leader. And he passed away, and his son Rehab Am took over as the king. But Rehavam had a little issue. Because when Rehavam became the king, the people from Shevet Ephraim, they were not so happy with the way things were going. So they went to Rehavam, the new king, and they told him, you know, you got to lighten the Lord. It's too much. We can't keep paying taxes like this. You got to relax a little. He told them, to his credit, told them, listen, I can't decide now. Give me a few days. Let me think about it. What did he do in these few days? Rehab Am, the Pasuk says, he went to, to talk to the elders. He went to the elders What should I do? They told him, you have to relax. You have to serve these people. They have to see you more humble. They told him the words, He says, If you become their servant, he says, you talk nicely with them. They'll be your servants your whole life. Pasuk says, look at the reaction. He basically, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. Be I'm the king now. The inauguration yesterday. Millions of people waving to me, bowing to me. 
I saw how my father did it. And the Pasuk says, since he didn't like it, look what he did. He wasn't foolish enough, even he wasn't foolish enough to go and make a decision on his own without advice. Look at this. Vayivaetz et hayeladim asher gadlu ito. He went to ask his buddies. He went to ask his friends, the people he grew up with. He says, guys, what do you think? Here's the story. They want me to lighten the load. The rabbi said, the elders said, you got to lighten up. I mean, do you agree with that? They told him, no way. You tell those people. If you think my father was strong, ooh, wait till you see what's coming. I'm going to have an iron fist. I'm going to show them, you show them who's boss. You make sure they know. You show weakness now, they're going to step all over you. You make sure you come in strong. Don't show any signs of weakness or any cracks in your kingship. And guess whose advice you liked? Love this friend's advice. Even a five-year-old loves the five-year-old advice more than his own parents. It just seems so much smarter. That's the way it sounds to a five-year-old. We can appreciate the Havam. He heard it. He liked it. It was tough. It was strong. It was leadership. It was courageous. The elder sounded weak. Sounded outdated. They didn't, they don't, they're not with reality. They're living in a different world. What do they know? People grow up their whole life thinking their grandmother is so backwards, so irrelevant. Only when they realize 70 years later that she really understood much more than they thought. And Rehavam went with his friends. And guess what happened? The people of Ephraim were not very happy with it. And they rebelled against him. And ten tribes left the Jewish nation because of that moment. Could you imagine this powerful nation, Am Yisrael? Ten out of twelve tribes left. They made their own country. They no longer went to the Bet HaMikdash. They made their own rules. Some terrible things that happened there. The unity of Am Yisrael was broken. We were now open for enemies to come and fight. Could you imagine what we lost? This was the greatest. led to the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The ten tribes till today. As the greatest Holocaust in our history was the loss of the ten tribes. That's the, the overwhelming majority of our nation was gone. Why? What happened? What happened was a young man wasn't able to listen to advice of the elders. He went for advice, but he went for advice that seemed right to him. He went to people who were not qualified to give him advice. And destruction followed for many years till today. 
you know, when the Torah speaks about the elders, the judges, the Pasuk says, they're called the Aine HaKahal. They're called the eyes of the people. Everybody in life needs to wear glasses. I mean, look, it would be great if your eyes are 20-20. If you would ask me, isn't it better that I should see everything myself? Of course. It's better if you had everything yourself. No question. But let's say you can't see so well. So you'd be foolish to walk around without glasses when they're available to you. The Torah calls the elders, the mentors, the rabbis, they're called the eyes of the people. What does it mean, the eyes? It means they're able to see further. Rehavam could see the moment, but he's not seeing everything. Everyone could see what's in front of them, but you need good eyes to see far away. That's why the Mishnah says, Make for yourself a rabbi. By the way, this person who needs a rabbi, who are we talking about? We're talking even about David Amelech. David Amelech. Could you imagine David Amelah? I mean, he was the rabbi. Yet, David Amelah had a rabbi. The Gemara says in Masechet Berachot Sanhedrin. That David Amelah, he was so clear in Halakha that Halakha is always like him. If he would argue with anybody else, Halakha would follow him. That's how great he was in Torah. Yet, Hazal tell us that David Melech, before he would give any important Halakha, he would first consult with his rabbi, Mephiboshet, and ask him, Mephiboshet Rabbi, my rabbi Mephiboshet, Yafe Danti, did I say good? Was that the right thing to do? Could you tell me? And if you're wondering, who is this Mephibosheth? It was his nephew. It was someone younger than him. Aselecharab. means even if you're a rabbi and you're the top, you're the gadol ador, make one. Make someone who's going to be on top of you. Because there are certain things that you can't see, especially when it's personal. You're blinded. You have a bias. You need someone else that you could ask. Even David Melech needs a rabbi. How important is a rabbi in your life? If you have one? Well, says the Torah, and we know there's a person who kills by accident. He was not careful. So he has to go away they put him in the city of refuge, away from his family, away from his friends. He has to move. The Pasuk says, and the Rambam brings his halacha lemaaseh, 
that if someone goes to the city of refuge and he has to live there till the Kohen Gadol dies, which could be a very long time. So it says, when you send him there, Vahai, Vahai, make sure he lives good. Don't just throw him there. He has to live. The Gemara says, like what? It says the Gemara, Talmid Shegala Megalin Rabo Imo. His rabbi has to live with him in exile. Imagine. You gotta be careful who you're the rabbi of. <laughs> it's nuts. Your, your student does something terrible. He needs to go to exile. And now you gotta go with him. Why? Because he has to live. So let him live. You know where he's going, by the way? He's going to a city of Kohanim and Levim. He's going to a place of scholars. Let him find a rabbi there. No, no. But you're his rabbi. You're like the one he's closest to. He, you know him. You get him. He already has you as his mentor. You can't just drop him. It's your personal rabbi. I'll just end off. Going back to our subject. There are times you need a, you need a mentor and a rabbi your whole life. Every decision. That's important. You know, pasta or sushi, don't call your rabbi. <laughs> but important decisions in your life, and there are many more than you can imagine, you need someone that you can defer to. Choose wisely. Choose someone who cares for you. Choose someone who knows what you're asking him about. Don't just... Choose anybody that you see. There are ways how to choose a rabbi. They have to be qualified. Just like you choose a good doctor. You're not letting anyone doing open heart surgery unless you did real research. And you guys do your real research. But you got to have one. And as you go through life, you have a person that you will defer to if necessary. Now that person, besides helping you in life and making sure that you're not going to be the woman that came to me yesterday, that says, oh, I wish I had this 25 years ago. Besides that, besides not making the mistake of Rehavam or Shimshon or the would-be mistake of Yaakov, besides that, you're getting clear guidance in life. But it's going to prepare you for something. Last week we spoke about preparing the medicine before the problem. Worry is one of the problems that come into our lives. And when you're hit with worry, your brain becomes very, very unreliable. Meaning, if you need advice when your brain is normal and healthy and life is relatively good, when you're worried about something or you're involved in something very difficult, it becomes almost impossible to make good decisions. But what's worse than that is that when you're in that situation, 
Sometimes you even see things just one way. You're just stuck on one point. Like the beginning of the class. You have all barzel al tzavarecha. You have this iron yoke on your neck. And all you could see is that thing. All Shimshon could see is that woman. She got to be his wife. That's all he, he can't see anything else. There's nothing else. That is a very difficult predicament. Now go try to help a person in that predicament. It's impossible. They won't listen to you. No matter how much logic you give them. But Rahi, it doesn't make sense. Let me show you. Let me give you a story. Let me give you an example. Let me show you. Let me show you. I love you. I care for you. I'll do anything for you. Don't you know? Nothing. They say, thank you. I appreciate it. At best. But no thanks. But if you had the training of a rabbi in your life, before the big problems come. You already learned that in life, decisions, important ones, you go to the architect. And even if you don't understand, you do it. If you already got trained and have such a relationship in life, when the yoke of iron comes in your life and you're dealing with a very hard thing and you're making decisions with that predicament, which could really hurt you for many, many years and hurt many people around you, you need someone to help you. But if you don't have that person in your life, if you're not trained to listen to people in that way, nobody could help you. You're stuck. You're stuck in a very hard place. You're worried, you're afraid, and you can't hear anybody else because you're not used to hearing anybody else. Because you're from the mindset that I can only do what I understand. If I don't get it, I don't do it. That's just the way, that's my derech in life. What should I tell you? And now you're going to start? When the iron thing is on your neck, it's not going to happen. So one of the ways to prepare ourselves, the medicine for the makkah of life, is to make sure that in life, we have that person that we will defer to. That person that we trust. That person that's close to us. That person who's able to give such important advice to us. We need to have one person. You don't need a thousand, you need one. If you have two, it's already a lot. And you train yourself to ask questions. And hopefully sometimes you won't get it. That's a good thing. When you don't get it sometimes, it's a good thing. Because that's your training for the times where your mind is so off that you won't get anything. Because your mind is messed up. In that state, you don't understand anything. When you're sold, you can't understand anything. In those times, you need to defer. So hopefully some of the questions you won't understand. It's a good thing. And then you built your medicine before the issue. That's what Hazala telling us. De'aga pelev ish. You're getting worried. You have issues. Yesihayna la'ahirim. Get a friend who cares about you and get a rabbi or a mentor 
that's going to advise you what to do and what not to do. Because you're not in a good state right now. You need someone to guide you. Your mind right now isn't making great decisions. So let someone help you here. But you can't get that person after your problem. At that point, your mind can't take on a new person. You need to prepare ahead of time. Make a mentor. Make a rabbi for yourself. Like Hazal say, You have no doubts in life. You walk confidently in life. Why'd you do that? What do you mean? I asked. I asked. That's why I did it. I never have to worry that I messed up. I never have to worry that I did the wrong thing. I'm confident I did the right thing. Because I have people who give me the advice of the Creator. I can't talk to him, but Telech Lidrosh Hashem. She went to ask Hashem, but she can't find Hashem. So she went to someone who learns his Torah, someone who understands Hashem's thoughts, someone who understands how Hashem thinks to the best of our ability to find that person, and then you're in good hands. You choose wisely, and you live a life with an architect that's going to build, help you build your beautiful building of life. Baruch Amen Amen.